The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Get ready to talk some baseball. Welcome to the King's Corner Talking Baseball with Jim Layritz. From spring training to the World Series and beyond to the postseason, Jim and his guests tell it like it is and have all of the bases covered. Now, here's Jim Layritz. Hey, welcome everyone. And after taking a week off last week uh, for the holidays, of course, we are now coming back for our last show of 2011. And what a 2011 it was, of course. We have covered most of it throughout the year, and we are going to cover a little bit more today, just rehash some of the old memories, some of the great things that happened in baseball this year, and then, of course, what to expect for 2012. We are only about two months away after the first of the year. Everyone starts getting excited. It's usually about six or eight weeks before spring training begins, and all of a sudden, everyone starts wondering what moves we made what we did, and are we good enough to win in 2012? And, of course, the beauty of it is everyone starts with a clean slate. Everyone has a chance to win. But, of course, we know the only things that we know is, of course, the 2012 season will start unlike any other season, I think, than in the past. Because usually, and I'm going to talk to, coming up in the show a little later on in a couple of minutes, we're going to have Harold Reynolds come and talk about all this stuff, uh, what happened last year, of course, but also what to expect. And some of the things I'm going to ask him about, and of course, Harold is with MLB Network, one of the lead guys there, and uh, I'm sure has been talking about this stuff you know, all week. Um, but in 2012, I'm going to be curious to see, because... To me, it's the first time that I look at it in the last couple of years that the World Series champion, the team that wins going into the next season, I don't think can be the favorite to go ahead and win the, next, the following year or, or the, the hands-on favorite just because of what has happened to the St. Louis Cardinals. And, of course, that is the departure of their Hall of Fame manager, Tony La Russa, and, of course, the biggest name in baseball, the best player by a lot of people's knowledge, and Albert Pujols also leaving, and what that has done to the St. Louis Cardinals, I don't think so. And I'm going to ask Harold if that this team can be considered, even though they are the defending champ, as the team to beat going into the 2012 season. So I think uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see what Harold has to say about that. But, of course, like I mentioned before, we are going to rehash some of the old memories, some of the old things that have happened. And as we let Harold go later on, I will be coming on. And this week, thank you. I took a whole week off. Maybe I should do that more often. But got a lot of emails coming in this week. And I put down a couple team-by-team emails that we will cover those in the final half of the show today. So a very exciting show. We will have so much to talk about. And, of course, 
one of the things I will be talking to Harold about is just some of the exciting things that happened in baseball in 2011. You know, some of the history-breaking moments, uh, the just the, some of the seasons that these teams, like the Milwaukee Brewers had, the Arizona Diamondbacks had, uh, you know, certain retirements that are going to be coming out from last year uh, that will take effect, you know, in 2012. Um, just a lot, a lot of changes going on, and of course. The new rules coming up, and I'm going to be talking to Harold about that also because, to me, I don't know if a lot of people know because it was very quietly done during the general manager's meetings, um, some of these new rules as far as the replay goes, as far as the addition of another team in the wild card. And uh, we're going to get his opinion on that as far as how he feels that uh, is, is this something good for the game? Is this something bad for the game? Is this something that needed to happen? Um, interleague play, of course, we're going to talk about. So, all those things coming up, and you know, like I said, 2011, a great year, but even better, I think, 2012 coming up. So, we are now joined on the station by Harold Reynolds, MLB Network, one of the one of the lead guys over there, and of course, one of, a former friend, you know, a former colleague of mine, a friend, and also a guy that I played many games against in the major leagues. Harold, welcome to the show. What's up, Mr. King? How you doing, buddy? Hi, I'm doing pretty good, partner. How you doing? Uh, I heard you say former friend. I was like, I'm getting ready to hang out then. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I had to put the former teammate, my man. <laughs> uh, so I'm, 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 taking you, I'm taking you've been very busy rehashing the 2011 season uh, and, and really talking about all the great things that did happen. It was a great year. Uh, yeah, we've been busy doing a lot of stuff, but it, it was a tremendous season. Uh, you know, attendance was way up, uh, continues to break records. Youth baseball has spiked. The game's exciting. And uh, we have some great players, really uh, young players. Big turn, I think, in uh, changing of the guard. A lot of young guys really becoming the, the face of, of the game. So it's good stuff. Harold, we had some, like I said, let's just rehash first 2011 and then we'll get to 2012. But one, you know, two of the things that stand out in my mind, of course, you know, being a former Yankee are the two history making things that happened with the Yankees this year. Tell me a little bit about Mariano Rivera's save record breaking day. And of course, Derek Jeter's 3000th, uh, hit in the, in the day that he had. Where do you think these rank among baseball? records and are these things that we can look at in the future that could possibly be broken well i think mo's uh record probably will never be broken uh you're just not going to have that opportunity and to be as consistent as he's been through the years uh, i don't think that record will be broken um it's phenomenal what he's been able to do how he's uh transformed himself and continues to get better uh jeter's 3000 hit uh you know to do it on the home run uh, we saw Wade Boggs do that years ago. But uh, I think the fashion in which Derek did it with five hits in one game, uh, coming off the disabled list, and, and just being Derek Jeter in New York, it, it was a pretty cool moment. One of those is going to stand out forever. Now, is that something you would rank as this year as being probably one of the best moments in baseball? Uh, individual, yeah, individually, no doubt. I mean, those were huge moments, but... Uh, the, the day that stands out to me was the final day of the season when you've yep. got Baltimore beating the Red Sox and then you got Tampa coming back, beating the Yankees and, and just flipped the playoff, uh, picture upside down. But the excitement of those games, they were happening simultaneously. We had a rain delay in Baltimore. 
So it pushed the start of the, the game uh, back a little bit, and it caught up, and it was almost succinct with the Tampa game. So it was it was cool, man. What a night. It was just incredible. No, it was. It was one of the best. I think one of the best nights ever. And, you know, I'm going to be curious to see what happens next year when they, with the addition. We'll talk a little bit about that later, but the addition of an extra wildcard team. But I, you're right. I don't think it could get any more exciting than, than what, what happened that night. But, uh, a little bit about the season now. We could talk about a couple teams real quick. Just, uh, that I jotted down here, real, some numbers that stood out to me. So, you know, Prince Fielder and Ryan Braun, what they did in Milwaukee. Tell me a little bit about what that, what you think about that, and really, where does Milwaukee go now that number one they lose Fielder? It looks like, and Ryan Braun has this cloud of controversy over him. Well, uh, we'll start with the the, the positive stuff first. Uh, I think the best one-two combination in baseball in a number of years. I mean, we can talk about Poppy and. Manny, and uh, you can go back some of the great uh, three, four combos in, in the game. But talking about one-two punch, uh, those two guys were just dynamic. Um, I love the old fake punch duck thing they do after the home runs, and uh, it looked like that team really had a lot of fun. Um, you know, Ryan. I hope Ryan's able to come through this. He's one of my favorite people in baseball. Um, it's a uh, sad situation that this even came out because of the testing policy uh when you're going through this process and appeal and and questionable stuff it's not even supposed to be public record and and uh, you know hopefully um he can get through this uh, if it comes out as a negative test and everything's overturned i think we got a real messy situation and some people need to be held accountable for letting that leak out so there's a lot of things uh circling around that right now uh we'll see what happens Prince, I, I, I'm not convinced that Prince won't go back to Milwaukee. I mean, a lot of people think it's a foregone conclusion, but if you look at the market, um, the big boys are not in play right now. The Yankees and the Red Sox and, and the Angels even, and the Dodgers with their, their bankruptcy situation, uh, with their sale, I should say. Those are the big boys that drive the money cart. And, uh, you know, I, not that he can't get it somewhere else. So there could be some teams to step up and pay him. But if he went out, Jim, for a year or two and then came back in two years or signed a three-year contract with Milwaukee, say 25 a year, $75 million for three, I'd take it. I think you'd take that, right? Oh, so of course. Definitely. That. Definitely. Yeah, so you go out and do that, and then three years from now you come back. You don't know where the Red Sox are going to be, where the Yankees are going to be at, the Dodgers situation, uh, even the Angels with Pujols by then. You know, You don't know. So – I think that would be an interesting move, but I, I, I've talked to Scott Boris. I don't think that's going to happen, although it could be an option. Right, yeah. To me, like I said, I think the only other team, money-wise, that could probably pay him what he wants is probably the Texas Rangers, and that's something that I think may happen here over the next few few weeks maybe because that, to me it's, that's a team that needs to make a move, that needs to do something besides getting, you know, Darvish, which we don't know what he's going to do. Uh, I think if they if they make this move with Fielder, they get right back in the game with with what the Angels have done this past season. So, yeah, no doubt. I mean, you imagine him in that ballpark in Arlington, the way the ball flies to right. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, the only thing you got to worry about is him playing in that heat every day, whether he thinks that would take a toll on him or not. But, but I, yeah. I definitely, I definitely see him hitting quite a few home runs there. All right, H. Well, let's talk a little bit about. Something I, I let in before you got on before you got on the phone, uh, and you could hear me. Was one of the things I was talking about that 
over the past few years with the World Series winners, usually those teams are predicted to defend their title and be the team to beat. But I was saying earlier that with Tony La Russa, the Hall of Fame manager retiring, Albert Pujols leaving St. Louis, I don't know if I can pick the Cardinals as the team to beat going into 2012. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, it's, even if those guys came back, you're still probably sitting there going, I'm sorry, you got to look at the Yankees and the Red Sox every year. I mean, they're, they're going to be loaded. They're going to be at the top. The Phillies pitching. But I'm not counting the Cardinals out. I like the moves they've made. I mean, you move you move uh, Berkman to first base. You get Carlos Beltran to play right field. And, you know, you bring back for a call. That club was in pretty good shape. And you got to remember, you're also going to, you got Carpenter going, and then you're going to get Wainwright back healthy. So uh, that's a good club that's left behind. Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Right now, I, I would pick the Cardinals to be the best team in the National League just from what I saw last year. They're going to miss Albert immensely, and you're going to miss La Russa. But I think uh, what they brought in and what they're leaving behind and, and the way – that that team has come together and those young guys learned how to play. I think you got to look at the Cardinals as as a front runner to if they get in the playoffs they'll be dangerous again. So you think you know my only concern I think is I don't see them defending their title. I still think the American League team is going to be better. I like the Angels right now out of the AL if you ask me. Right. I, I, I do too. I think but I think I think also what we'll see too is really how how much was it Tony La Russa you know, as far as being able to, to, to gather the troops and get them and get them through uh, the big comeback that they had, or whether or not it was just the players themselves digging a little bit deeper, I think that's that's going to be remain to be seen as whether you know, we always talk about Tony being such a great manager. Uh, I'd be curious to see if Matheny can come in there and, and keep that team going the same way. Yeah, and you know, and the one thing that Tony uh, was able to do was he mixed and matched that bullpen down the stretch. And you can only do that if you're a manager with that kind of clout, where you can bring guys in, uh, you're not fearful of what the media is going to say, why are you using that situation, why did you match up that guy there, and it didn't work out. Tony just basically said, I've been doing this forever, you're going to watch me work this thing, and it worked out magically for him. So uh, he, he, he had a great year. He is a genius, uh, well-deserved, and, and I was so excited for him because he truly is one of the best managers that we're going to see for years to come. I think so. I think that's you know it's it's, it's going to be interesting to see with like I said Matheny's a young guy. We'll see what he can do. Uh, but yeah, I mean going into 2012, you know, as even from the National League standpoint, whether or not they're going to be the favorite to uh, to even repeat from the National League side, I think you're right. Getting Wainwright back uh, may may make up for the some of the offense that they lose with Pools. But we'll see what happens. But listen, hey, we're going to take a quick break, and we will come back, and we will talk a little bit about the 2012 season and some of the moves some of these teams have made to make themselves stronger and, of course, compete to take that championship away from the Cardinals. So we'll be right back in one minute with Harold Reynolds. Jim Lawrence is a two-time World Series champion, motivational speaker, and author of Catching Heat, a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball. Most people know Jim as a man who has always beaten the odds. Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. 
Visit JimLayrich.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLayrich.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Layritz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back, everyone. And we have Harold Reynolds from the Major League Baseball Network on with us. And we're talking, we talked a little bit about 2011, some of the, the, the great things that happened during that time. Of course, three no hitters with Lariano, Santana, and Verlander. A couple other things happened. The St. Louis Cardinals win the World Series. And of course, the offseason starts, and we have so many moves, Harold. Things start happening. We got teams you know, making some major pushes. Getting ready for 2012, of course, we're about eight, nine weeks away from spring training. Harold, we look at the 2012 season. We look at some of the moves. Who do you think made the biggest splashes in the winter meetings or you know, just, just so far this, this winter as to place themselves in position to win next year? Well, I mean, clearly the Angels, when you get Albert Pujols and C.J. Wilson uh, to add to your club, which was really a really good team already, um, that that's probably the biggest thing uh, that was done. But the biggest splash, I think, the shocker was the Florida Marlins. You know, just the conversations that they had Albert in, and they were. I heard up to two seventy five on Albert Pujols. They were serious. Wow. They, they signed Reyes. They got they got uh, Mark Burley. They ended up getting um, the, the uh, Heath Bell. You know, so they were ready to transform that organization in a big way. And for the Florida Marlins to jump in the way they did and make that splash, I think they're the biggest uh, surprise and splash of the winter, if you ask me. 
Well, now, a lot of people have you know talked about it, and I've, I had Joe Fasara on last week from the MLB.com, and we talked about it, and everybody's like, listen, where did all this money come from? This is a team that's been crying broke, that they're losing money, that, and then all of a sudden they come out. Tell us a little bit about what you know about that, and of course, the new stadium, obviously a big push for the Marlins to get this kind of money. Well, you nailed it with the new stadium. Um, any any club that uh, has a new stadium, generally the revenues for the first two years, you know, spike quite a bit. They jump through the roof. I think this has always been a team that has had an attraction and, and somewhat of a following, but they haven't had the arena to put them in. Uh, they're banking on the roof, being able to be out there, you know, living down that, that area down there. Jim, you know, they, it rains all the time. You never know if the game's going to be played. You can't see BP. You know, so they've got a roof down there now. It's retractable. Um, and I think that's going to be a big part. Plus, the location of the new ballparks is going to be huge. Um, and they're going to be a good club. So I think those are things that they're kind of counting on. Uh, they've, they've held money back. They've been able to, to be on the cheap, so to speak, looking forward to this ballpark. And now they open their wallets. And got a TV deal coming, so I think they're, they're playing on future money, hoping that it will come in, but um, I think they're on the right track. I think this club will make some money, and, and we'll see where they go. Well, let me ask you about this, though. Even though the moves they've made, even though the, the improvements and the money they're spending, in that division, you see them getting any higher than two or three? Um, you know what? Everybody gives Philly a lock, and I don't. I mean, yeah, the right. pitching's great, but their offense has been terrible. And you look at Ryan Howard going down now, um, they're going to have to make some adjustments. That that club is going to have to really uh, play a different brand of baseball. Um, they just haven't been able to generate the offense, and they've been winning uh, because they do have pitching. But you put a strain on that pitching, uh, after a while you pay the benefit, you, you, you pay for that. Um, you know, having those guys go seven, eight, nine a night and, and stressful games. Uh, they pay for that. So I'm not giving the Phillies a, a automatic lock. I think the Washington Nationals are a club. They're going to shock people. They're much improved. The Braves, obviously. But I like the Marlins. I, I mean, it's going to come down to Josh Johnson's got to come back healthy. Uh, they still are a piece or two away, uh, from doing what they're doing, what they need to do. But, uh, if they can convince Hanley Ramirez to play third base and they don't have to trade him, uh, then I think they have something. But I'm not convinced that they don't have to trade Hanley yet. I still think that's maybe the biggest story uh, of the spring as we head to spring training from winter meetings to spring training to opening day. I think Hanley Ramirez is the story. I'm looking at that. I want to see how that unfolds, and I want to see what happens with Hanley and the Marlins. Good well, story. Yeah, let me ask you that. In, in a situation like that, how do you think – how do you think Hanley Ramirez will react? Not so much starting the season at third base, because I think you know, with Reyes coming in, it's pretty much a given that that's an easy move. But I can remember when A-Rod went to the Yankees, and they made the move, and it seemed all nice and everything, but then he struggled. And there was a lot of talk about who should we switch? Should we switch him back? Should we do this? I mean, Hanley Ramirez playing third base, let's just say Reyes takes a day off or gets hurt, is out for two weeks. How tough of a decision is it going to be for Ozzie Guillen not to move Hanley back to short and leave him at third? Well, I think that's that's definitely going to be a, a tough one. But for me, I look at the problem here. Alex Rodriguez, and a lot of people talk about, well, Kyle Ripken moved to third. Kyle Ripken was at the end of his, he, you know, he's in his mid-30s. Alex is in his 30s. 
you know, when, when he's making this move. Hanley Ramirez is 28 years old, and he's been an all-star at shortstop ahead of Reyes. And to come in now and say, move over for a guy that uh, you've outplayed for the last four years, he's going to be our shortstop. Whether you like it or not, that's how it's been it's been played out. Now, is, is Reyes a better defender? I believe so, absolutely. But if you look at Hanley Ramirez as the player, the complete player, you throw out last season – Two years ago at this time, we were talking about who's the best player in baseball. His name was in the mix of the top three. You know, so um, I think it's that's what you're going to have to deal with. Because Hanley, it's, you know, Jim, you've been around. It's prideful. Oh, yeah. I, I think that they're going to have to rope him in, and he's going to have to buy into it. I don't think he's ready to move. Um, Alex was mature, older. I think he was, like, ready to, to grind through it. Um, you bring up a great point about an injury and the temptation for Ozzy, but I think the problem is even bigger than that, that you have to – Hanley is going to have to be ready to move from shortstop, and I don't think he is right now. I could be missing it, but I just don't think he's ready to move at 28, knowing that he's an all-star player. Well, I think you're right. I think at the time when, when A-Rod came over that he realized that Jeter was the man in New York. He, you know, that was his team and he was going to be a part of it. Whereas, like you said, the Marlins have been Hanley Ramirez's team. He has been the guy and he's actually the one making the move. So I think you're right. I think that's going to be, you know, the big key. And I think number one, the big key is Hanley gets off to a good start and the Marlins keep winning. That's going to be the only way that probably keeps him happy. So we'll, yeah, we'll see. I, you know, I, even that, I don't think he makes it through spring training happy at third. But the other part of it is for the Marlins, if it doesn't work out, man, you're going to bring back a king's ransom if you trade him. Oh yeah, and, yeah, uh, that, that is pretty good. That's true. That's true. That's something that they could do possibly. All right, now let me ask you a question. Let's get back to the American League and let's talk about the American League East, where you know the Yankees have seemed to do absolutely nothing. Not that they had to do much, but have done absolutely yeah. nothing. Uh, how do you feel about what they haven't done? And what, is, is there a special need or, you know, A-Rod's over in Germany getting knee, you know, knee, knee replacements or what he's, or whatever he's doing over there. Is this cause for concern? Is this something they need to worry about? And do you see the Yankees being still the team to beat in the East? Well, um, I think, yeah, you got to be concerned about Alex's health. Um, even, you know, Derek's, getting up there you got to watch these guys and make sure that they're able to play at a high caliber i thought joe girardi did an excellent job of rotating them around last year you know giving them days off or innings off if there's a blowout you know things like that so a lot of lots going to fall on joe to make that happen uh this is a club that's really in in, in pretty good position i still not sold on their pitching and i i really believe that brian cashman now has positioned this organization uh, with his uh, mantra to make sure they had some minor league stock, and they've got that. And there's two things you do with minor leaguers. They either come up and continue to replenish your organization, or you use them to spin off and get what you need. And I, I, I just, I'm not convinced they're not going to go after Felix Hernandez. He's a perfect fit for the Yankees. It's a perfect move. Uh, they can bring back the players that the Mariners would need, young guys moving forward. The Mariners are not going to win in that division for the next couple of years, especially now what Texas and the Angels are doing. I just can't see them hanging on to a 25-year-old Felix Hernandez, and he loses for three more years and walks away in free agency. 
And I, I really believe that, yeah, you can have you Darvis and you can have C.J. Wilson. I really think Brian Cash was sitting there going, I now have the players that can entice a trade if I want to go get this guy. And I, I, I can't see how they wouldn't do it. No, I think you're right. I think A.J. Burnett might be a big piece of that, too, even though, like you said, Seattle's not going to win for a couple of years. That might be somebody the Yankees want to throw in. Uh, well, to, you, to, I mean, let's make it up. You think about yeah. it. You throw in field. If you're, if you're the Yankees or you're the Mariners and the Yankees offer you Montero, Benuelos, or Batantis, maybe both, Phil Hughes, Nunez, are you not going to do that for King Felix? Yeah, no, you're right. I think Montero might be the big key, though. I think they really do not want to get rid of him if they can keep him. So that that could be something but then, that. But you got a number one starter who's been in the league for yeah. seven years, and he's only 25. No, you're right. No, I'm you're sorry. right. No, that that would be that would be a very uh, you know adding him with CC Sabathia. That's that's probably the best one-two punch you may ever see together. So that could be. That could be something. Now, what about Boston as far as, you know, they made a small deal with Bailey and Sweeney. What does this do for them, and can, can they compete with the Yankees? Well, it, it was a good move to get Andrew Bailey, um, and, and Ryan Sweeney's going to help them as a fourth outfielder. Um, but I just I just don't understand how you let Papa Bond get away. It's just a different breed pitching there. Um, it's not about talent. It's about being able to play in New York or Boston, you've done it. It's a different culture. That's a different animal. You can talk about it. You can try to explain it to people. And until you walk in there and play in that place, it's different. And that's as an outside player coming in in my comments. I can't imagine what your comments are having to play on the Yankees in that environment every day. It's different. It's a different animal. And I think they're going to miss Papelbon in Boston just because of the role of the closer in that city. It's going to be different. I hope Andrew Bailey comes in and he's off the charts. He's an East Coast kid, so he understands the rivalry, but he hasn't thrown on a jersey in Boston and blown a save yet. And and that that will be the difference maker. No, you're exactly right. That it, It's a whole different breed in those two in New York and Boston. And like you said, it, it is a matter of what he can handle. Now, do you see Ryan Sweeney as being the right fielder that this team has not had over the last few years as maybe being the answer? Um, I, I, don't, I don't see Ryan Sweeney going in and, and uh, you know, tearing it up. This isn't Dwight Evans. I, he's going to be a nice player, don't get me wrong, and I like Ryan Sweeney and I know Ryan. I think he can put up some good numbers for you, but I don't think he's a 30-homer guy. You know, they don't have that in the outfield anymore. I mean, you got that from – from Ellsbury last year, but I can't see that kind of repeat performance. Carl Crawford's not going to hit you 30. You right. Know, so you don't have that, that Manny Ramirez, that Daryl Strawberry, that right fielder that you're sitting there going, he's going to give us 30 and 100. Um, that's not what you're getting in Ryan Swinney. He's going to be a nice, uh, nice fit, but he's not going to be a 30 hundred guy. No, I think you're right. I think it's going to be interesting to see. I think, like you said, it's going to come down to if the Yankees do make a move to get one more solid pitcher that they could possibly, you know, really, really take a big step forward in that division. So we'll see what happens. But Harold, can you give me, uh, we're going to take a quick break again. I'm going to come back real quick and just talk about some of the rule changes that are coming up for 2012. Can you give me a few minutes? Yeah, I'll give you a couple more. This goes good. Uh, Thanks, bro. All right, buddy. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Harold Reynolds. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place? It can be done, and Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner talking baseball with Jim Lairitz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at gemlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. And, of course, we are talking with Harold Reynolds of the Major League Baseball Network. And we've been talking about the 2011 season, what's coming up, 2012. And, Harold, let's talk a little bit now just a little bit about some of the rule changes and some of the things that I don't think were covered very publicly and they were kind of really quietly done uh, for the 2012 cut season coming up. And let's talk first about adding the extra wild card. And How do you feel about that? Well, I, I like it. I, you know, uh, there was a lot of people who didn't like wild card the first time. But I, I think with it being a knockout round, um, I think it's going to be good. The one thing – the reason I like it, I'll get to it real quick, is that I didn't think it was fair that a wild card team had the same advantage as a club that won their division, you know, where they go perfectly set with their rotation on into the postseason. This way, you'll play a knockout game, and you're going to have to throw your ace if you want to get in. And now the wild card is handicapped a little bit. I, I, that's the part I like about it. Now, let me ask you a question now, as far as, though, does this, I, you know, from a standpoint of, where where the where it becomes favorable to the team that wins the division, and I think it's a great move because this is a situation we look at. It, you know, a team that wins 101 games has, like you said, has no advantage over the team that won 85. You know, and and I think now, like you said, it is it is going to be that one game playoff that you're going to have to you know to, to go through your best guy, and now it does handicap you going into the next round. This had to be something done. Plus, it makes the season uh, important because we've got to the point where there was a few times where you just say, ah, let's just get in the playoffs, no big deal. And, you know, teams are limping down the finish line and they're seeing that they're going to be in and they know they're going to be the wild card and they start changing their rotations to set up for the playoffs. It's just not right. So 
I think this brings back a little more integrity to the game. No, I think so. And I think, like you said, as much excitement as we had that last day of the season because it was like a one-game playoff for everybody, we're going to now have that automatically. So I think that's going to add a little bit more uh, excitement to after a 162-game season having that one-day playoff between four teams. So I, I think it's a good move. I think it's a good move. Now, the other move that they made that they quietly did, and I know Joe Torrey was not a big fan of it uh, and, and some of the other – managers and coaches were, uh, is the, the, the use of the replay and a little bit more use of it. How do you feel about that? And tell us a little bit about the improvements they made for replay. Well, I'm still a little bit torn. Um, I, I, I understand. I mean, I see a lot of games basically every night where replay can come into play, but I also think there's some, some plays that uh, replay doesn't tell us definitively what happened anyway. Um, as long as we don't make the umpires lazy and rely on replay and we don't crucify them for missing calls, missed calls is part of the game of baseball. Um, but that said, uh, I think if replay is done properly, they can do it swiftly. I think all you got to do is have a umpire in the booth and have one of them on the field with an earpiece and you tell them, hey, we're going to look at that again. We missed that, you know, uh, and we can keep the game moving. Uh, fairly quick, but I can uh, I can understand proponents on both sides of the coin. I, I really can. I'm kind of stuck in the middle, personally. Well, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. I think for me, the delay and having all the umpires run off the field and do it. I mean, that part is just. I think it's the learning process because that obviously isn't the way to do it. But I think, like you said, if you sit one umpire up in the booth in front of a you know a closed ca- caption TV that he can hit, see of three or four different angles, that they can do this in a matter of minutes. You know, just look up and well, say, okay. And, and here's, here's the here's the flaw in it, Jim, yeah. is that you go to Yankee Stadium and they have the Yes Network, and the Yes Network has this national broadcast capabilities where they have 25 cameras. Okay, they're catching everything. Then you go to Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh says, you know what, we don't have the same package or the money as the Yankees, and we have 10 cameras. So they don't have all the different angles. And then you go to San Francisco on a day game, and they're playing somebody, and if, or, or down to Oakland, I should say, and they don't even have the game broadcast, so MLB.com goes out there and broadcasts it, and they use four-camera shoot. Right. Now, I don't know if it's four, but it could be more. I, I don't want to offend them in that but what i'm saying is not every stadium has the same amount of camera coverage and that's going to create a problem when you have a stadium that has 25 cameras or a camera crew opposed to someone else who's using a smaller crew and it's not going to be on the same playing field and therefore uh, it's going to come down awful hard on the umpires uh to be able to be consistent in that so that to me is going to be something they got to work out. And but, but what do you think they should do as far as you know, as far as getting the call instead of having the umpires run off the field? How do you think they should t- t- handle that situation? Well, I, I think you have a umpire in the booth, and he's he has a walkie-talkie or he has an earpiece and capabilities uh, in the TV industry called an IFB, where he's speaking to an earpiece of the other umpire. And you got one guy, the crew chief down there, and he simply says, "Hey Jim, we missed that. Uh, let's get the guy." And they all convene. He says, "Put the runner at first base," you know, and they change it. Uh, as simple as that. 
Yeah, I think so. I think I think that's you know that to me, I guarantee it. Jim Joyce would have loved to have that opportunity because you know, that was the Absolutely. biggest biggest reason for probably some of the mo- the more reason for the using more replay in more situations just because they want to get the call right. But uh, yeah, well, that sounds good. I think that I think those are going to be two good additions for 2012 that are definitely going to make the game a little more interesting. I know they're still tinkering with the idea of interleague, but that's something that I think that's going to be. Be changed on another date. Uh, I don't think they're going to do that this year. But uh, um, let's talk a little about. Let's finish up real quick. I'd like to finish up okay. real quick with something that you and I, you know, we know a little bit about because we played against most of these guys. Is the Hall of Fame for 2012? Some of the guys that are on the ballot. I'm going to just throw some names at you, and I'm going to throw five names at you, and you tell me what you All think. Right. All right. First okay. one, Barry Larkin. He's a lock. He should be in. Should have got in last year. Now, for for what for, you think he is, is he one of the best shortstops ever to play? Absolutely. And then you look at his offensive uh, ability as well as being able to field it. Um, you know, he had, what, nine silver sluggers, something like that, 12-time yep. All-Star. I mean, he dominated his generation. And he would have won more gold gloves if a guy named Ozzie Smith wasn't playing. So I, I think Barry's a lock for the Hall of Fame. All right. Lee Smith. Lee Arthur, I thought, should have been in years ago. Uh, now we're starting to see the importance of the closer. But he was putting up numbers long before anybody started thinking it was a vogue thing to do. I, I think he should be in. Yeah, I think so, too. I think you look at him, and I think the problem is is the way the saves are looked at nowadays, no one realized, you know, this is a guy like Goose Gossage that was pitching two, three, four innings for a save, and I, I just don't think people give him the credit that he deserves. Jack Morris. Jack Morris, for me, uh, is a Hall of Famer. Uh, and my criteria is different than most. I, you know, I look at what you did against the generation you played against. I'm sorry, but you can't measure numbers against somebody who played in 1904. He is not the same team, not the same game, not the same player. And I, I think what Jack Morris did against his generation, he was the guy. Um, he was the, the the stud of that generation. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. No, I agree. I think I look at him and I realize this is a guy that you know, took every every time he had the ball, he stayed there. He wanted to be on the mound for nine innings. Wouldn't didn't want to come out of a game. And of course, at the big moments, you know, some of the big moments in the World Series and things like that, stepped up and, and really helped his team win. He he is the ultimate gamer, but he's also, you know, unfortunately, he just wasn't never put up those big numbers. That, that the unfortunately people look for, but on an everyday basis, yeah. on, a, on every fifth day or fourth day back then, uh, this is a guy that you definitely wanted to have the ball. All right, I'm going to go with another one. The DH, Edgar Martinez. Edgar's going to be interesting. Uh, I think he's he's on the fence. Um, I know he's getting a lot of lot of run. Uh, I think Edgar should be in the Hall of Fame as a DH. And what people are missing is that designated hitter is a position. It became a position in 1974, something like that. It's a position in the game of baseball. And uh, you shouldn't be penalized for being a designated hitter. And eventually we have to have somebody. He's probably the closest thing that we have to a true DH. Uh, Harold Baines fits in that category for me. I don't put Paul Molitor in the DH category because Molitor went and played some third base. Edgar... Basically, he was a DH, and so was Harold Baines, and 
you look at their numbers, what they did as DHs, I think they got to be considered. Harold, you you played with him many years or a few years. Any better hitter that you've ever seen in the game than Edgar Martinez? No, he was amazing. Big hits, big situations, but more than anything, uh, self-taught. You know, he he studied the game. I played with Edgar when he was uh, <clears throat> like a youngster coming up at third base. You know, and right. watched him grow into a, a man. And he was always working on things, always making adjustments. Uh, he was a gold standard for hitting, and and you're not gonna find anybody better. All right, I left this guy last on re- on purpose because I actually coached him this year in Newark, New Jersey. He was the manager, Tim Raines. Well, I think Rock should have been in, um, you know, a long time ago too when Ricky went in because those two, again, on my criteria, were the standard of how you drafted guys, how you played the game. You know, right now. Uh, how the game continues to change. You know, we went from, okay, I want to get a shortstop like a Nomar Garcia or Derek Jeter or an Alex Rodriguez. So I want big shortstops. So we got all these kids that everybody tried to draft that way. Uh, you know, from Cal Ripken. Uh, then second base. Now I want a second baseman who's got some power who can hit. I want a Robinson Cano. I, I want a guy that can do all this stuff. Well, that's what Tim Raines was for a leadoff guy. No more were, was it acceptable to just hit uh, little bunts and get on base, you know, but now Tim Raines hit with a little power. He stole some bases. He played defense. Um, he and Ricky Henderson changed the leadoff position in baseball forever. And I think he should be in the Hall of Fame because of it. All right. So we just threw five names out to you. If you had to predict, which one, which one do you think gets the nod this year? Or is there a couple of them? Uh, I think, I think Barry Larkin, uh, may be the lone guy that gets in. Um, uh, yeah, I think Barry gets in. And maybe Jack Morris creeps up the ladder, but I think Barry Larkin gets in. All right. Well, we'll, we'll wait and see and find out what happens. That, 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 that'll be I'm I'm still January hoping for rain. Monday, January 9th. Make sure you watch on MLB Network because we'll be unveiling that stuff. So. There you go. There you go. Was there anything else you want to talk about that you want to make, let anybody know what's coming up? Uh, we've got that. We've got hot stove, obviously, but, uh, we got the year countdown and then, uh, we're doing, last year we did a thing, the top 10 now. We start that in February. So we'll start having the top 10 second bases, top 10 shortstops, you know, on through the list. So, uh, we'll have to see what everybody else thinks their top 10 is, but. Did, we'll did you put your name in the second bases? No, we're talking about it right now. I, even historically, I wouldn't put my name in there, but thank you. <laughs> All right, H. Well, right, I appreciate you giving me the time, buddy, me. and I uh, enjoyed talking to you. And like I said, I, I look forward to seeing you soon. I'll be up in New York in January and definitely try to get together with you, bud. Okay, buddy. Take care of yourself. All Thanks for having me. All right, man. Have a good okay. New Year and a safe one. I'll talk to you soon. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, buddy. All right, everyone. That was Harold Reynolds, of course, MLB Network. The lead, one of the lead guys there, and like I said, this is a guy that uh, I love watching. You know, I watched Harold when he first came on the scene as a as a TV guy, and uh, what he has developed into is one of the best, I think, on the on the TV today. And uh, definitely check him out at the MLB Network. Of course, he's all over the place, covering just about everything. Um, but uh, he will definitely. Uh, lead us into 2012 and of course i think a great season coming so we will be back in just a few minutes to talk about some of your emails that i have received over the holidays talk a little bit about that before we close the show and 
look forward to speaking to you. So I will. We will be back in about two minutes. school to the pros, we, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Jim Lairids is a two-time World Series champion, motivational speaker, and author of Catching Heat, a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball. Most people know Jim as a man who has always beaten the odds. Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. Visit JimLayritz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLayritz.com. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel the fans now have a voice to speak their mind no holds barred they need to bitch his ass and then move on i just just think that the coach made a mistake crazy (laughs) nfl mlb nba nhl speak up speak up or forever hold your mouth we ain't playing around here voice america sports You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Lairitz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. And, of course, that was a great segment with Harold Reynolds. We appreciate Harold joining us, giving us his insight. And, of course, this is a guy that is at the top of the, the game as far as covering baseball and gave us some great insight on some, some of the things coming up in 2012, of course, what happened in 2011. A great year of baseball, a great year probably coming up, some changes made. You heard Harold talk a little bit about the, you know the, the new wild card. There will be a, one more team added in each league this year for the wild card to make it a one-game playoff at the end of the year. And I think if you, anybody saw last year's ending, uh, those those two games will be very very exciting, very exciting to watch, and uh, of course give the the teams that win the divisions a little bit more of an advantage over the wild card. So a great move, I think, by baseball there. And I also think the replay coming up is going to also help. I think if they figure out a way to to just move it up a little quicker to get the replay done, like Harold said, put somebody in the booth and just do it real quick, I think it's a great move uh, to make sure we get everything right because there are some games and some situations uh, that have been so disastrous that if we had replay, uh, they could have been avoided. So two interesting things coming up. In 2012, to make for a great season, 
A lot of questions. I was really glad to hear. I actually took a week off, and uh, during the week, received a lot of your emails. Uh, and, of course, it is info at jimlayard.com, so keep sending these things. Um, and I'm just going to break them down team by team, some emails that I picked out. And um, the first one, of course, I picked out was the California – or actually the Los Angeles Angels. And, of course, the big moves that they made. And Tom from Riverside – which is about 45 minutes from where I live, uh, types in and says, listen, Jim, Albert Pujols and J. Wilson are great moves by the Angels. I think this team is going to be great for seven or eight innings. But as far as the ninth inning goes, is this team going to be able to complete games because of their bullpen? Very, very good question. I like that. Uh, you know what? It's, it's, it's going to be interesting because – that is their weakness. And, of course, Walder last year was the guy, was his first year doing it. Of course, everybody says you learn from experience. And, you know, he had some growing pains last year. He has the dominating stuff to be a closer. The question is, is he ready? And I think that's that's going to be a question mark. And I think that's why some of the hearing things that you hear right now is there's one other closer out on the market right now. There's a couple smaller ones, but there's one big name. And Artie Moreno has proven that so far this year, he's going after the big names. And Ryan Madsen, who's out there still waiting to be signed. And I think Scott Boris, of course, who has some connections with the Angels, uh, may be knocking on the door pretty soon after the first of the year and saying, listen, I've got a proven guy. I'm not looking, I'm not looking to kill the bank. I want three or four years. And here's a guy that could put you your only weakness, if you look at the Angel Ball Club right now, is possibly the closing situation. And uh, I think Ryan Madsen could be a possible fit uh, for the Anaheim Angels. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But I think that's one move uh, that could be made. And I think you're right. There is the question mark with the Angels. They're going to put up the numbers. They're going to have the offense. They obviously have the starting pitching. Whether or not they can finish out games will remain to be seen. And we'll see if they make any moves come next year uh, to improve that bullpen at all. All right, we have one last email because we're running out of time here from Todd. This is the second time I've seen Todd from Miami with the Florida Marlins. Where are these big moves coming from and where did the money come from? Well, Todd, listen to the show. Uh, we just got done talking to Harold Reynolds a little bit about that. Uh, we, um, we, I took this, took this email uh, and decided that that's what I would ask Harold, just to answer your question. And, of course, um, that is the reason. One of the big reasons why is because the Marlins, and I, I was from Fort Lauderdale. I used to go to all the Marlins games with my kids. They, they were completely handcuffed by the stadium that they were in with, with the state that they were under. The contract, they received no concessions, very little concessions, no parking, no suites, uh, they, they were receiving no income, so they were completely handicapped about what they could do. And once they received the new ballpark, and I think Jeffrey Loria was a man of his word, and said, if we get this new ballpark, you will see changes, and I will bring and try to bring a, a championship team to, to South Florida. And I think you've seen that. I think the new stadium, now that they are getting – you know, the suites and now that they're getting the parking and now that they're getting all these things that you're finally seeing what Jeffrey Loria has wanted to do with this ball club for many, many years. And it's just been handicapped because of the, the contract that John Henry had got the team under. 
uh, when he took over. And I think that's one of the things that, Todd, I think you're going to be extremely pleased at, number one, the new stadium, but also the product that they're going to put on the field and what they're going to be able to do over the next couple of years to improve that team where they need to. And I think uh, some of the moves that they made, and, of course, as Harold said, it's going to be important that Josh Johnson stays healthy. And if he is, this is a team that can compete with the Phillies and possibly win that division. So bigger and brighter things in Miami coming up, and uh, besides their uniforms, of course. But uh, great, great show, great time. Hope you enjoyed all the information you received. We will be back with you next week. Uh, I don't know how much news we'll have going on because pretty much everything's shut down. But we will cover some more things. We will cover talk. I will try to get some guys uh, that are possible Hall of Fame ballots. I'm going to try to get Tim Raines on and talk about how, what he thinks about this January 9th date that may be his defining moment, finally getting the Hall of Fame. So another interesting show coming up next week. Please tune in, send your emails, and we will cover everything next week. See you on Friday. Talk to you soon. We're out. We're safe for another week. Thanks for tuning in to the King's Corner, talking baseball with your host, Jim Layritz. We can't wait to have you come back next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great weekend.